The Rural Health Voice, Episode 96, Studying Public Health. Welcome to The Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. What is the UC Berkeley School of Public Health doing to support rural public health? Kimberly McPherson, Faculty Director, Health Policy and Management, joined me to discuss the new Rural Health Innovation Program. Well, welcome, Kim. Thank you, Beth. Super happy to be here. Oh, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Thinking back, how did you become interested in purple health in the first place? In public health? Well, that would go back quite a number of years. So I'm a graduate of the UC Berkeley School of Public Health back in the early 90s. I had a career in the health plan uh, world uh, right out of undergrad and really felt that I wanted to look at things at a more population level. And UC Berkeley had this wonderful program where I could get an MBA and an MPH at the same time and really helped me think through both the policy and management side of the needs of the population. So uh, my history sort of goes back quite a ways. And you mentioned you've got both that MBA and MPH. How do you feel business and public health correlate? I think they correlate uh, highly, really importantly, Beth. I, you know, it's difficult to understand how to affect change if you aren't able to sort of follow, you know, the financial flow or you need to lean in on sort of incentives in a macroeconomic environment. I mean, just take what's going on right now. We're in a period of inflation, but we're also seeing a lot of change at the policy level. But yet we're seeing lots of employers choosing to do layoffs, which will eventually affect people's access to coverage in our country. So all of those things together need, I think, synthesis to be able to kind of chart really high impact pathways to change. And so for me, combining sort of the toolkit from the MBA and then the depth of, uh, you know, understanding things like epidemiology, social determinants, population health thinking on the public health side really came together for me so that I feel the impact that I can have is just broader and deeper. What led you to the public school at Berkeley? I'm a California native and so had not gone to Berkeley for my undergraduate, but obviously it looms large. For me, I was drawn to Berkeley because partly of the social justice mission of the entire campus, um, but then particularly the School of Public Health had just, you know, world caliber faculty doing incredible research and sort of advancing thinking in the area of public health. I was particularly interested in access both to services and products like pharmaceuticals and just seeing, you know, what the disparities uh, were out there, even back in the 90s, as well as looking at sort of the aging of the population and thinking this is all trending in very challenging places. How do we get ahead of that to solve it? And I wanted to go where I felt people were really not afraid to go after the tough problems and ask the tough questions and then back that up with rigorous sort of research and evidence to affect change. So for me, it was a really perfect fit. The school is currently recruiting participants for its new program, the Rural Health Innovation Program. How did that come about? Oh, yeah, I'm so excited to share about that, Beth. Um, We could not be more pleased. So the genesis of this wonderful new program that we're bringing forward is a gift from one of our alumni, Lynn Barr. I happen to know Lynn. She was a student of mine. She graduated in 2010. And I worked with her closely while she was in the program and then have stayed very close to her and followed her career since she graduated. Lynn came through the program, and when she left a few years later, she created a company called Caravan Health. And Caravan Health has been out there 
in rural America, trying to make a difference, working with um, different types of physician and hospital groups to help them, you know, come together to better serve populations in part by figuring out how to capture more dollars from the federal government, but also so sort of things locally about how to do good health impact assessments and really organize in a way to maximize the resources. And so Lynn has since sold Caravan and is now in a position to be able to rethink sort of how she wants to make an impact. And so she came back to us, her alma mater, where she really felt she had a transformative experience getting her MPH. And she decided that the biggest way she could have an impact was to give the gift of that same education to other people and particularly people who are in rural communities. So Lynn and we all got together to figure out how to structure something that would really have maximum impact. And what came out of that is this new program, the Rural Health Innovation Program, where with Lynn's generous support through the Barr Campbell Family Foundation, we're going to be able to offer the program to 25 students a year for four years, so 100 students total, fully paid uh, MPH, where they can continue to live and work in place in their communities, but take advantage of our world-class online MPH program. And we are recruiting for that first cohort now to start and join us in the spring of 2024. And just, again, could not be more excited and, and grateful to Lynn for having this vision and seeing that Berkeley was such this key part of uh, her trajectory and wanting to sort of share that with others. And you said it's free. Does that mean free tuition or are there other expenses that are covered? Great question. Yeah, all of it. Um, uh, the way the program is set up is that, yes, there is uh, the tuition, which is free, and it's it's about a 27-month program. And so that's about seven semesters of tuition and fees, so fully paid. But it includes other things. Um, there are books and other sort of materials that are needed for the program. This fellowship covers that. Our program is also unique in the online program space in that we require two campus visits to Berkeley throughout the program over the summer. And so the travel and associated expenses with those two visits is also included. Really, the out-of-pocket is zero for these uh, really fortunate, you know, 25-peer students in this cohort. Um, Lynn really wants to kind of take that barrier off the table fully. So it's no, there's no sort of hidden costs or hidden expenses in this. It's really, the individual is obviously making an investment in their time and their passion, um, which is not, you know, insignificant, right, to add this to what you're doing as part of your daily life personally and professionally, but from a cost barrier, um, she's removed all of that in her hopes that that will really invite people, potentially people who've never thought about a master's of public health, to really look at this um, offering as a way to be able to build their own professional skill set and then add more to the communities that they serve. So free is great. What else do potential students need to know about the program? Our program is an asynchronous online program. It takes about 27 months. We offer different flavors, if you will, of the Masters of Public Health. There's sort of an interdisciplinary, which is a broader um, segment of the group. And then we have specific concentrations that people can choose, including my area, health policy and management. So I'm the faculty director for all of the health policy and management programs at UC Berkeley School of Public Health. That includes the residential programs as well as the ones in the online. But we also offer concentrations in things like epidemiology. And so students, as they apply, would be thinking about about which of those is the best fit, we sort of assume or presume that most of these rural health innovation um, 
fellows, uh, scholars will be in health policy and management, but we're not requiring that. So if someone's coming to this, say, from a public health department lens in a rural community and really wants to augment their epidemiological knowledge as well, they can certainly choose that concentration. Um, and you can also move concentrations while you're in the program. But we then offer the sort of a baseline MPH curriculum that everybody takes, and then and that takes the first year And then after that, students get to pick, you know, sort of which direction they want to go. If students are going to do health policy and management, um, you're going to be taking classes in health economics, healthcare policy. We have a whole suite of classes in health management, so healthcare finance, healthcare strategy, healthcare org behavior, things like that. The program also has a practicum, so we do highly value sort of experiential learning and practice learning. And so all the students in the program select a practicum topic that can be within their current employer or um, somewhere else. We sort of mentor and support them on that. And then there's a comprehensive exam that they do at the end. And like I said, one something that I think is distinct about the UC Berkeley program are these campus visits where we welcome everybody for a week in the summer to come meet each other in person, meet the faculty, connect to the campus, have some academic and professional workshop content, but to have that sort of time. What's really exciting for this program is we're going to take these 25 folks in every year into the Rural Health Innovation Program, and they'll get everything that I've already uh, mentioned. But 10 of those 25 will be invited to join a fellowship component where they will get additional programming, including an all-expenses-paid trip each year to Washington, D.C. to attend the National Rural Health Policy Institute Um, chaperoned by Lynn Barr and faculty. And there, what Lynn hopes is to be able to introduce these folks to people across the spectrum of different agencies and legislators who are all working to advance different things in rural health. And those 10 will have their practicum emanate from that experience. So that's sort of an enhanced component for 10 of those 25 each year. I attend the Policy Institute every year, and it is an amazing opportunity to talk directly with our members of Congress and key staff from federal programs. How will you select which students get to participate? Yeah, that's a great question. So what we're going to be doing is uh, this program, as I mentioned, I believe has a spring start. So students um, of those those 25 would enter in the spring, which for us is in January, and they would start taking classes right away. And the first class that they take in the summer, so their third class, is Intro to Health Policy and Management. And that class has one of those first campus visits embedded in it. So these rural health innovation um, scholars will be be coming to campus that very first summer. And during that visit, we will be having sort of an interview and selection process. So throughout that first spring, these students will be given um, information and mentoring to just help them think through, would they like to be one of those 10? Um, So there'll be webinars and opportunities to talk to the donor and those of us who are the faculty mentors. They'll submit sort of an essay about why they think they would be a great fit and what they would hope to accomplish with that enhanced access to all those amazing people in that in-person DC visit and maybe even some early thoughts about that practicum. And then there'd be a panel interview during that first summer visit from which the 10 fellows would be selected. They would then immediately start planning because that visit, as you know, would be early in 2025. And then they would have some additional programming and things that they would be doing in that fall to prepare. 
for that, to get the most out of the visit. And then they would be, as I said, in sort of a special practicum cohort with different mentoring because we would expect that their practicums would emanate from perhaps they meet somebody at an agency and that really speaks to them given the needs of their rural community and they would fashion their practicum out of that. So um, it's not just kind of a one-time component with this um, visit to Washington, D.C. for the Institute. It would continue for the rest of their time in the program. Well, I would certainly love to see more health policy students learning how to work with our our lawmakers and and our federal staff to make a, a bigger impression overall. Exactly. I do think that is Lynn's ultimate vision. I think if you talk to Lynn, she will say that what she realized is lots of people don't understand that they can be self-empowered to go to Washington, D.C., knock on doors, get meetings. And she really wants people to feel that. And so she's, you know, opening those doors, but also wants the curriculum and you know the rest of the program to support people with that background knowledge in policy methods, policy advocacy, really understanding the terms th- that, you know, that come into play with health economics and how does reimbursement work? You know, what are these core issues? Also, by the way, on the innovation side, the innovation is in this program, you know, intentionally in that it's the hope that folks that are living and breathing in their own rural communities um, may have some fabulous ideas, but wouldn't know, haven't known how to put them into play. And so marrying them with other innovative ideas um, that might come from industry, might come from the policy environment, you know, but could be blended together to really uh, create change. And ideally, right, we would socialize those. So if something emanates out of one rural community, we want to really make sure that there's a learning collaborative so that other students and therefore other communities um, can benefit. So we see publications coming out of this, opportunities for future speaking. We really see these students being ambassadors, just as Lynn has been, to really not only fold back into the program, but to obviously have change both locally and more broadly. For applying to the program, what types of academic or professional experience do perspectives need to have before applying? So we are keeping that relatively open, actually, because We want to first learn, we seek to learn who will be interested and who will be a good fit. Um, Our main criteria is that someone is a resident who lives and works in a rural community already. Beyond that, we seek to find people with a lot of passion for change and improving these public health issues because, you know, the idea is that we're going to have them sort of living and breathing back in their own community. We're ideally looking for people who have probably at least three to five years of experience past their undergraduate degree. You know, there might be a preference for more. So we're not really targeting folks who are just really recent, you know, entries to the work world after their undergraduate, because we really want to layer on and help sort of catapult people to that next level. We don't require that they have policy or management backgrounds. And we sort of um, think that we're going to see applicants, and we know that we're going to see applicants because we're already getting a lot of interest with people who have sort of backgrounds in clinical care, physicians and nurses, those who are doing maybe um, administrative roles already in hospitals or um, federally qualified health clinics or public health departments. So we're actually casting a pretty broad net. We've been doing a series of webinars, sort of helping people understand the program. And we have an interest intake form, which I just asked the, the team today. And since we opened that form, when Lynn announced this program back in February, 
at the Institute in DC, we've had over 300 people express interest through that intake form and about 225 of them with the intent to apply. And then the balance of the rest wanting to be able to share that through their network to sort of amplify who knows about it. We've also been having, you know, quite a number of one-on-ones with the team to help people kind of understand it. And then um, webinars. Our next webinar for this is uh, Tuesday, June 13th, four o'clock Pacific time. And, you know, the team is really excited and, uh, and available to help those understand, you know, whether they're a fit or not. Um, but largely to apply to the School of um, Public Health for a Master's of Public Health, you know, we ask you to submit, you know, your transcripts from your undergrad, um, letters of recommendation. There's a statement of purpose as well as a personal statement. We do not require the GRE. I think that's important to mention. I know there's a lot of test anxiety, especially for folks that perhaps have been out of their undergraduate education for a while. And we, like many other universities, are no longer requiring the GRE. So there's no test score requirement. Somebody wants to submit a test score, they can, um, but it's no longer a requirement. Aside from academics and, and professional experiences, what personal qualities do you think would make someone a good candidate for the program? I think someone who sees themselves as a change maker and an advocate, maybe they, you know, don't have all, they know, you know, they're uncomfortable perhaps because they don't have the skill set yet or they don't feel empowered to kind of, you know, knock on doors. But I think people who really see the need for change and are excited to lean in and be part of it, that's a big piece of it. Um, We certainly look for people who are self-aware, sort of high emotional intelligence, you know, this is a team sport public health. So people who are comfortable and excited about the opportunity to engage and to engage with others from a, sort of a, an interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary lens. So we really see that people who do well here are intellectually curious, but also curious about, you know, other people's points of view, because to solve any of these challenges, you need to talk to folks with clinical backgrounds, legal, regulatory, community advocacy, a public health department, everybody bringing their own expertise and their own lens. And so that ability to talk across that and with that is great. Uh, I think people who can inherently center on the person, whether that's a patient or a resident, who are thoughtful and then can create ideally with others, not just for, uh, I think is really helpful. Um, we do have some quantitative uh, courses, obviously to get a master's of public health, one needs to take classes in biostatistics, epidemiology, economics. Um, I'm the faculty actually, not only am I the program director, but I teach healthcare finance, super important in rural health to understand and be able to think about budgeting and forecasting, how to understand if an investment makes sense or not. Do you want to build or buy an urgent care center, build one, you know, all of those skills um, are key. So people who you don't necessarily have to have had experience in those, but some comfort level with analytic and quantitative. Also, I just think um, being comfortable with speaking and presenting, particularly if your goal is to be, you know, sort of one of these change maker advocates. So that's a lot of what we look for. Last I checked, UC Berkeley was located just outside of Oakland, California. That's not what I think of when someone says rural. What assurances can you give prospective students that you and the other faculty understand rural communities? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Obviously, California's got a lot of rural sort of real estate, but not an not an incredibly heavy rural population. And so for us, you know, we're not though just because we're in California or in Oakland, that doesn't limit the scope of our faculty's research and interests. We're a world class university. We think about issues broadly, not just sort of nationally, but globally. So our faculty are really active in not only doing research, but looking for ways to move the needle for challenges, um, all the same challenges that I think are really prevalent in rural health. So access to care, workforce challenges, how the funding needs. And, and so, you know, given our location, yes, we are certainly sort of in the, you know, the hotbed of Silicon Valley and biotech and, and all of that. But, uh, you know, the faculty are far more far flung and broad from that. We not only recruit from people from across the country, um, but we present and think about it. We're very well connected both in our own local legislature, but in Washington, D.C. And we think that that's that skill set and that access that some of the first things that people need. We're also full of humility, Beth. We understand that we have a lot to learn. And I think at the graduate school level, we really recognize the partnership between faculty and our students and create environments in our classroom where there's a lot of peer and cross learning. Because again, a lot of the folks in our online program in particular are working professionals with lots of experience in their area. And, you know, it would be sort of, you know, arrogant for us to sort of, you know, be in a sermon on the mount mode, like we know everything. And so I think we're already pretty well equipped to invite and engage others and meet them where they're at. Certainly this experience is going to help us build out even further other voices, other research areas that maybe we need to augment. But I'm, I'm really confident that, you know, students want to come learn around health economics, learn about funding mechanisms and federally qualified health centers in rural, learn about policy advocacy, epidemiology, et cetera, that we're a great fit for that. And, you know, Lynn has confidence in us. I mean, Lynn went through our program and then jumped right into the sort of the rural space and was immediately incredibly active and uh, credible and able to affect large change with Caravan Health and some other things. So we also feel pretty confident with Lynn's sort of stamp of approval that we will um, be able to meet the needs of these students. What do you see as the challenges to addressing public health that are specific to rural communities? Obviously, I think part of it is that a lot of the disparities and challenges are long, they've been around for a really long time, so they're very ingrained. Anything in the healthcare system is hard to move. Budging the status quo is different, difficult. So whether that is funding mechanisms or just attitudes uh, can be really difficult. And so I think that that is a key issue in rural America. How do we combat issues around trust uh, and feeling that we can upend things that have been in place for uh, a really long time. I do think the sort of um, issues that we're seeing now, more hospital closures, provider shortages, lack of infrastructure around like broadband and Wi-Fi are very real. We talk a lot, for example, about the ability to just use things like telehealth and other technological innovation to, quote, solve these problems. But it's not that simple. And it, it may not even be what people want in terms of the solution. And so I think that the rural environment 
really needs to be thought of in its own unique way in terms of, you know, working with folks who live and work there about what's it going to take to get past trust issues? How are we going to combat sort of the decades of um, underinvestment and neglect and this perception that, you know, funding mechanisms can't be changed or are difficult to change? And so it is that sort of passion for change maker that I think is universal, but it's why we particularly are focusing this program on people who live and work in these communities as opposed to being open to someone who lives anywhere and wants to go into a community and affect change, we actually don't think that that will be as successful. We really do want to make sure that we're focusing in on people who already have that established sort of trust and basis and awareness and understanding of those needs at a very granular, real level. So last question, question I ask all my guests, if you could do anything what would you do to improve health and health care in rural America? Oh, boy. I'd have to go to the funding, Beth. I think that everything begins and ends with the ability to invest, and that takes money. And so I think that, again, recognizing the, the decades of underinvestment and what that's gotten us, um, I know there's been some additional funds flowing with COVID-19 that are now at risk with the public health emergency ending. And there's a lot of concerns about that. But I think if, you know it would be helping Congress and everyone in Washington, D.C., understand that this is the time to act and invest um, and, and, and unlock sort of the coffers um, and make right, I think, what hasn't been made right all this time. So for me, it, would, it has to be the funding. Love it. Thank you for joining me today. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, Beth. It's been a great conversation. And I'm excited to you know, have folks reach out to apply and learn more about this wonderful new program. That's Kimberly McPherson, encouraging financial investment into rural communities and programs. If you want to learn more about the Rural Health Innovation Program at UC Berkeley, click the links in the show notes or visit the podcast section of our website. The Rural Health Voice is the podcast of the Virginia Rural Health Association. It is sponsored by the Virginia State Office of Rural Health and underwritten by the National Rural Health Association.